Welcome, everyone, to the Indie Reds Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Dilling. With me tonight, some guys here. That we'll let them introduce themselves. Actually, no, I'm kidding. Joining me to discuss the Dirty Derby, Brian Smith, Bobak, Lot Fallian, and Jim Dimitri is back from a long sabbatical. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Jim, you go first. It's been a long time. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, as as you all know, been been busy, insane with uh, dealing with this with the uh, the current school year. So, um, but uh, staying in good health and um, was actually I had I had a faculty meeting on Saturday morning that fortunately was short, but it was taking place right during the Liverpool game. So I had my uh, we were on Zoom, of course, and I had my mic on mute and. Uh, and uh, was making sure I didn't forget to turn it off because, of course, I was yelling at the TV. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's good good to be back. Good to be back. Good to good to be uh, at least virtually around you guys again. We were not quiet at Union Jack, were we, Bobak? We were yelling at the TV for sure. Uh, yeah, I, and 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 a few uh, uh, participants in the match as well. <laughs> yeah, some choice uh, expletives. I take some, it. Uh, some black and yellow or whatever color they're wearing. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, did Alex learn any new words? I was just getting ready to say, I think you learned a couple. <laughs> yeah, you might've learned a couple. Thanks Jordan. That's all right. Okay. So, so, man, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So man, do we have a lot to talk about in this derby? Um, I'm still pissed. So let's just go ahead and get into it. Um, welcome back from international break. The first time I can remember Everton entered the match at the top of the table. Liverpool missing a few people due to COVID or injury, um, namely Allison Becker, but a rather strong lineup. However, you know what? Let's just change it up. I don't want to do a whole breakdown. Uh, we've all watched the match. Let's just let's just do some takes on this on the big issues from the match. Liverpool lead early in the match, and then not much later, Virgil Van Dyke is injured by a, I guess I'll just say a careless Jordan Pickford. Um, I'm going out on a, on a limb and say that we were all astonished Pickford didn't see red for this incident. I want to hear your guys' takes on the whole situation. And we're going to start with Jim tonight. Um, I, I was as surprised, I think as, as the rest of you were that he didn't get sent off. I mean, it was clearly a, two-footed, reckless challenge, uh, dangerous play, uh, marks off all the check boxes for, uh, for a straight red card. And uh, uh, from what I understand, um, after the offside was called and uh, that, that they just simply didn't, didn't go ahead and uh, assess whether there were any remaining issues regarding dangerous play, uh, which is the whole reason why everybody uh, was was surprised about about the lack of ascending off. But I, I think, and, and maybe we'll talk about this in more detail as we, we continue to talk about the match and some of the other issues that arose. But um, I think given some of the saves that, uh, that Jordan Pickford made in the match, I mean, there were a couple times where he was standing on his head, uh, keeping the ball out of the net, that uh, the, the, the lack of ascending off has clearly uh, a big significance in the match's outcome. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Bobak, what, what, what's, your, what's your take? 
Yeah, I mean, I it, I think while watching the match, uh, there was kind of like an evolution of uh, thought in regards to the overall challenge in general. So, uh, you know, I know I know the referee, uh, Michael Oliver's catching a lot of uh, flack for for uh, obviously he was right in front of the play and, and didn't do anything about it. But, um, you know, the, the evolution of my thought was was for sure, uh, for sure, a penalty when it happened. And I said, I said, well, you know, likely my, my thought was wasn't necessarily on the challenge because I'd only seen it the, the one time. I was like, OK, you know, that's a foul. Uh, it didn't look like uh, Van Dyke went down that hard uh, live. Um, and he was, you know, kind of sitting up and they were testing his knee a little bit. And I, I thought for sure he was fine. My thought was, you know, more uh, denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. I was like, well, if it's not a pen or uh, they're not going to give him a red card because they're going to give a penalty and they don't want to double jeopardy, blah, 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 blah. The moment I saw that replay, there's no question about it. First look, clearly a nasty, nasty challenge. And it wasn't look, it's it's not one of those situations to where you can forgive the goalkeeper for kind of just flailing in there because he's going for the ball. I mean, that's with his feet. Uh, you know, essentially the one thing that differentiates a goalkeeper from other field players is that they're able to use their hands in the 18-yard backs yard box everything else they have to adhere to the same type of rules but it seems like they get uh concession on a lot of things they can come barging into players um so obviously uh it's it's you know a, a massive 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 overlook by uh the var referee um in not identifying that particular occurrence after they deemed the play to be offside, that that's all they really looked at was whether or not uh, Van Dyke was offside. If he was, if he was onside, it was going to be a penalty. If he was offside, you know, plays dead. We'll, we'll, we'll kick the ball off. Um, so, you know, the, the main anger that comes about from that particular uh, occurrence is, you know, honestly, I think it might eventually benefit <laughs> Everton if Pickford's not suspended. So I think, (laughs) you know, I think in the, in the long run, um, you know, they'll, they'll be thankful for that. So I I don't really care. Uh, There's no suspension kind of retroactively. It doesn't affect the match. Uh, You know, if there was going to, he deserved a red card, obviously him receiving a red card in the, you know, what first 20 minutes of the game would have made a, huge difference on the results we were already one nil up they scored immediately after that play uh on a uh corner kick to where uh the ball was headed in from the the zone that van dyke would be occupying on the corner so it just kind of like rubbed salt in the wound my main uh takeaway from that is that i don't think david coots or whoever the VAR referee should ever see a top flight match again. That's that is just a massive, massive oversight. He's he's completely, completely negligent 
in his one job, which is to review plays like that. The, the frustrating part for me, and I don't know if, it, yeah, it wasn't the offside. I mean, well, I'm, we'll get to the offside. But his use of the VAR and then the Premier League not retroactively um, punishing Pickford, I think that's what really rubs salt in the wound to me. I mean, I can understand, you know, Michael Oliver isn't going to catch everything, okay? And he probably should have called that. But, I mean, if you, think, if you think about it, he doesn't know how bad it is because he's looking at Pickford's back. I mean, he could probably have seen that, I mean, that one foot wasn't trailing and that there were two feet and he completely misses the ball. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because, I mean, let's be honest, Michael Oliver is one of the best, one of the best that we have in the league. Um, and we always are like, okay, cool. We got, we got Michael Oliver, you know, this isn't a bad, a bad shout, but I think it's the VAR and the use of VAR that, or lack thereof, that, it, that is frustrating everyone the most. Um, you know, the, Brian, you haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. I mean, we were, we, we were all trying to figure out why there wasn't a call to begin with at the pub and we were thinking, okay, well it was offside, but the whistle hadn't blown yet. So as far, I mean, the guys are playing like it's a live ball. Um, I don't know what, what, what do you, how are you feeling about this whole thing? Well, it's been a strange couple of days. I mean, we, we could, we could talk about it. I don't want to say forever. We could talk about it for a long time. And I agree with just about everything that's been said so far, but I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't immediately, mentioned i don't know if you saw or not pullback but i don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name either coat or Cody or I, I don't know cooch or whatever this var referee that missed this he was the uh he was the referee of the leeds wolves match yesterday mike oliver was on the var for him so he not only is returned but he was a referee monday um <laughs> leeds wolves so um he's back but um t- to answer your question joe i mean uh, he it, first of all, Oliver. You know, I've watched it back many times, and um, Oliver, who's a great referee in my opinion, does a good job to get in position to see this. He moves from kind of the left side of the D, where it, you know joins up with the the top of the punting box, all the way to the right side as that ball's being lofted in, and it's basically a almost a fifty fifty ball for Virgil and Pickford to go after. So he's in the right spot. Um, it was flagged for offside. He immediately calls the offsides. Obviously, the, the tackle and the injury, he's already taken place because, you know, the flag doesn't go up until, you know, Virgil gets a touch on the ball and it goes out of bounds, you know, essentially. <clears throat> My initial reaction at the pub was, you know, if it wasn't going to be a penalty, it, it was possibly only because Virgil's touch was, you know, not necessarily completely under control. He kind of knocks it out, you know, for a goal kick, so to speak. But, Obviously, he gets crushed, and we all watch the replay and and the contact and the look on his face and the the players reacting. Pickford even reacts like, oh, you know, almost apologetic, um, a, a little bit. He kind of raising the hand and and Monty goes over there. I thought I was going to slap him or something, but <laughs> it, you know, then then it goes to VAR, and you know, they show on the screen what they're looking for, which is good. You know, it's not quite like. Um, you know, rugby referees that are mic'd and you can hear the conversations they're having with the officials. And, you know, that, that's kind of cool. If you've ever watched any, you know, rugby, you can, you can hear exactly what they're saying, but they put up on the screen, you know, checking for, I think they said checking for offsides or no, they said checking for a possible penalty or something like that. And then checking for offsides. I don't remember the order that those were in. So forgive me, but he called the offsides first 
Then we see he's offside. We, and, you know, we've seen the replay forever. Virgil's on the ground for two and a half, three minutes, starts walking off the pitch. He calls the offsides. And I, I expected a card to still be produced having watched the replay. And I, I've read about it a lot in the last you know, 48 hours or so. There's some, some reports say that a, um, a Premier League official and, you know, they're, they're connected with the, you know, VAR team and it's got a really long anagram, Premier League official match officials, GLP or something, you know, 12 letters in it kind of thing. Initially said that there was not a check for, um, a, you know, dangerous foul or not a check for, you know, a red card or that kind of thing. Now I have learned in that situation. Well, I think we all know that VR cannot assign a yellow card to something that the referee, um, you know, saw or didn't see. They can VR can sign a red card in that situation, but not a yellow. So, it just doesn't make sense. And why it wasn't looked at for, you know, extremely dangerous play and endangering an opponent, etc., cetera, etc. Because cetera, that's obviously what Pickford did. Now, then, then some. Um, I believe it was somebody from maybe the Independent reported that the VR check for a red card was looked at and. Our referee, David, VAR referee, David, whatever the hell's name is, um, didn't deem it worthy of a red card, which is astonishing. Now, that, that's been reversed by the Times and a few other people that have said that the, the red card check did not happen and was possibly overlooked. So what, what this comes down to, I think, is a subjective mistake where uh, the VAR official saw the tackle and deemed it not a red card, which blows me oh, away wow. if that really did, did happen. Or it's actually an operational mistake where either they forgot to look at it or didn't know they could look at it once the offside was called. And I know that's not the case because later on in the game, first of all, Oliver can call for, you know, check for violent conduct or check for, you know, endangering an opponent. You know, he can call for that anytime he wants and go over and look at the monitor. That's exactly what the Premier League wants them to do. But later on in the match, we'll get to it. There's a foul called on Mane. Uh, Mane's called for a foul, but Richarlison gets a red card. So he knows he can provide a, or, or brandish a, a card, you know, if there's a foul, you know, somewhere else or right before that or whatever. I know it was kind of a bang-bang play, but the bottom line, I think this turns out to be a, what I think is an operational problem and a bad use or a misuse of the yard, a big mistake by a referee who was then given the Leeds Wolves match. So... <laughs> He's it's, back. It, it drives me nuts. I mean, we are all completely frustrated, beyond upset. You know that locker room's upset because Virgil's not just the best player on the pitch. Whenever he laces up his boots, he's he's also such a big part of that locker room, and he's going to be out like six months or so. Um, excuse me, six to nine months is typical for ACL. It all depends on how bad it is, um, as well as how much, uh, yeah, and, and as well as how rehab goes, um, and how you heal during that rehab. So it's not having Virgin in that locker room and not having him out there commanding on the pitch. It's gonna be, it's gonna be some really, a really tough period. Um, a lot of people thinking that we're gonna go out and do some shopping in January. Uh, Brian, you've been pretty adamant all along saying we should have gotten the center back this summer. We That needs to be our number one priority, especially since Dejan Lovren left. We need to get, get a center back. 
So all gloves are off. What do you think we're going to start? What do you think we're going to do? I mean, jo- Joel Matip, I don't know if you guys have heard, Joel Matip is injured for, or yeah, has an injury and will not be playing tomorrow in the Ajax match. Um, so I, I imagine for that we're going to probably have Joe Gomez, Fabino in the back line. Um, Tiago's still injured from Richarlison's foul. And um, so it's going to be an interesting lineup tomorrow. And we'll get to that a little later. But, I mean, in in the next whole term, do you think we're going to, like, patchwork it the rest of the season? Do you think we make a play for a center back in, the, in January? Um, you know, do we maybe really start uh, pushing up um, – Oh gosh, yeah, pushing up the youth players. Um, maybe sorry, maybe names. Williams or or uh, yeah. I, I'm, the other names spacing me. Klopp Klopp was big on him um, in preseason, but anyway, yeah. Start I, I always mispronounce his name. Bobak can probably spell it in four languages. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 Billy Cumetio. Cumetio. Yeah, Cumetio. I always say that wrong. Thank you. Thank you. So, what, what do you think we're gonna do, Bobak? I mean, you're you're probably probably have the most knowledge of of players on the continent besides uh, yeah it, that I know of um why don't you go ahead and, and start off what do you think we're gonna do and what do you think we should do uh well I think kind of uh overall yeah we're 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 certainly gonna miss uh Van Dyke I, in the uh Klopp and Van Aldem's pre-match uh for the Ajax uh conference press conference today uh they were all it seemed pretty pretty kind of down in the dumps and and very 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 critical of uh pickford very very critical of uh the referees very critical of uh just how the whole um situation was handled retrospectively as well um mentioned that you know the it 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 was pretty dark uh dressing room after the match uh you know uh, players are having a difficult time getting over it. They're they're devastated for Virgil. So it shows, you know, how how big of a uh, an effect that could have. As far as what you think or what I think we should do, and what I think they will do, um, this is this is a you know a a, a club that that has contingencies in in years and years and years. Uh, looking at uh their transfer business that uh well in advance and i think you can really only see them making a big move for a center back if they had maybe planned on buying one this coming summer and maybe potentially pushing up that potential move um but i think i think that's really all going to come down to uh to you know the recovery and and how they see uh, Van Dyke's progress in regards to um, his injury. Uh, when when Ox went down after uh, the uh, semifinal against Roma in the Champions League, uh, you know there was initial uh, positivity uh, around uh, you know the severity of his injury, but then I believe he had a setback, uh, pretty. Uh, pretty early on in the summer yeah didn't he have an infection or something and yeah and and all of a sudden there was there was news that came out that he would be out for the whole of the next season as well and then that's when you saw uh that that big move for Nabil Fakir so I think they they'll have 
an idea in mind of what they want to do, but I think they'll only kind of move forward with it. Like they're always thinking long-term on things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously no one in world football right now that is going to fill Virgil's boots by any means. So um, if, if there's any purchase, it would be more along the lines of kind of, uh, you know, making sure that we have the, the, the right depth um, at that position. Um, as you can see, it can, it can get pretty, sl- pretty slim pretty quickly um, when, you know, you have one player that's out for the season and another um, that's, that's, that's fairly injury prone. And I think that's kind of what, you know, Brian's main worry <laughs> was uh, in regards to the center back position. I've always been, I've always been, you can't really have a, have a, a, you know, a player, you can't buy a player uh, solely for the purpose of backing up or, or being there in case you lose mm-hmm. your best player. Yeah. Um, because that's, ne- that's never going to work out. You're never going to have someone that good that's going to be willing to, uh, to, to sit the bench. So it's a very, it's a very precarious position you're putting yourself in, um, in those circumstances as regards to who I would go for, you know, there's, there's obviously been a lot of talk, uh, about kind of like the, the hot center back prospect, uh, over the past summer was, uh, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his first name correctly, and, and maybe maybe Jim can help me out a little bit because I think he's French. Uh, but it's a uh, Dio uh, Upamecano from uh, from uh, RB Leipzig. Uh, he's a 21 year old center back. Uh, he was uh, winning a lot of plaudits uh, for their run in the Champions League and his performance against, uh, believe it was good against uh, PSG. In the semifinals, uh, he was outstanding. Um, apparently, he has a uh, 40 million euro release clause uh, next summer. That takes account next summer. Um, so that may have been someone that we were potentially eyeing for the for for next season. That we may need to potentially see if we can work out a deal to to push that forward. But once again, I think it's a lot of it's going to come come down to uh, where they see. Um, Van Dyke's uh, progress in regards to his recovery. That's great points, Bobak. Jim, what are you thinking, man? Well, it's interesting that Bobak uh, mentioned Upa Makano. I, I even have a hard time saying his name. Uh, during the, the last... Well, well let's just call him Dave. <laughs> that, that'll work for me. Uh, he, uh, during the last international break he played uh for france he actually started against i think no that was in the, in two breaks ago but he has started on occasion for france and now france has been playing um with uh i mean uh, nominally it's three backs um although it's actually more like four um but he's looked pretty good now, I play for our Leipzig. Um, but, uh, I think he would be a good option at, at some point down the road. Um, but, uh, beyond that, I, I think I was on the same page as Brian, uh, when we were talking about transfers back in the summer and that I thought that, uh, a center back 
replacement center back should be a, a priority. But I also see Bobak's point too, that you know it's it's really hard to to a certain extent plan for these situations, and that you, you sometimes don't anticipate your best player at a given position going down. And I think Klopp even said during his press conference today that, you know, he, he uh, of course, acknowledged, you know, that, that LFC went into the season with three center backs and Fabinho and kids as, I think that was the term he used, kids as cover. Um, and he said that's a good number. And I think for most clubs, that would, that would be true. Um, so I don't know. It, I think it's going to be hard to predict because it, it's, uh, especially if you're talking about January, because I, I don't know for sure who, who would be available at, at the right price. I don't know. Brian, Brian, what do you think? Well, obviously Bobek's right. You can't buy a player hoping or, you know, and thinking that you're worse or worse. Your best player is going to get injured and you're in the worst possible situation. And, and he was right to suggest that Fabinho could go back there and cover. And heck, Hendo played center back one match in an emergency last year, if I remember. I don't remember which match it was. Uh, maybe during the league run-in or something like that. But, um, you know, what I wanted was a replacement for Lovren. You know, not a player that's going to, you know, make Gomez or Matip, you know, absolutely freak out in training and worry about their how many minutes they're getting and this and that. I, I wanted a player that was going to come in and be – basically challenge for a third or fourth. Um, and, and, you know, that's about it. And, and just kind of a replacement for Wabron. But, um, you know, Fabinho is going to have to do that now. And, and um, you know, matchups hurt too. So it's going to be him and Gomez, you know, where one suspension or fixture congestion or a knock or something like that away from, you know, who knows going back there, whether maybe it is one of the kids or what have you. So, I think we should try to get somebody in January. Um, I, I think if, you know, we know a player's release clause and he was on our radar, like it's been suggested, or even someone that we don't even really know about yet that and I'm sure the club have, you know, a dozen potential center backs that's been on their radar for a while now. That's just how they operate. And they've been very, very, very good in the transfer market. One of the best in the world. Over the maybe last, maybe you know, Ragnar Klavan is available again. Yeah, we need a Klavan, <laughs> we need a Biscan, you know, we need one of those guys. So, yeah. um, but I, I think the problem, I, we should do that. That's what I think we should do. Uh, uh, but at the same time, there's no ticket revenue right now, and that is a huge amount of money that, that's not coming in. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on with this old pay-per-view thing and how much we get of that. Probably not very much at all. You know, yeah, there'll be some Champions League money, et cetera, but I don't think we're going to get a player, and I think we're going to just go with what we have and try to make it work and and see if we can hang in there until, I don't know, I guess it might even be the rest of the year. Um, I don't think we're going to get another player just because the, anybody that even thinks about selling us a center back, whether it's you know Dave from Leipzig, I'm not even going to try his name. Stay from Leipzig with the $40 million release clause. Well, to, to move that up, Leipzig's, Leipzig's going to make that 60 or 65. And they'd be, yeah. they'd be stupid. They'd be stupid not to, I mean, I, I'm not saying they should be jerks about it. And I'm not saying we do this all the time, but you know, a team that's, that's desperate. Like we are pretty close to it. I think, um, you know, prices go up and, Hell, I, I I was looking it up t- today to to read some more about this guy from Leipzig, and I noticed that uh, 
another Leipzig center back who plays for Germany. He's 23. Um, his name starts with a K, I believe. I'm, I'm probably going to get that wrong, but I um, should have written it down. He played uh, center back for Germany over the break, and he played right back once for Germany over the break for like an hour or something like that. He's 23. He got hurt today, or he got hurt um, over the weekend. So Is it uh, Konate? Yeah, I think that's who it is. Yeah, that, that sounds right, but... Um, if that's not right, you know, somebody sent us a note or something, but Leipzig, uh, you know, has another center back hurt. So they might be even less inclined to sell him, or maybe the price just went up even more. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be hard to do. Heck, you know, Lester got that, um, that 19 year old guy, what's his name? Fafana or Fofana from St. Etienne. He was 41 million. Yeah. So, I <laughs> mean, and, you know, he's played one game for, I mean, they just got him, but he's, I think he turns 20 in a couple of weeks. And at the time of recording here, he was 41 million. So for us to pull off some kind of miracle and get some player of high quality that can really compete for that second spot now that when Dak is gone um, and get a lot of playing time, it's going to cost us a ton. And I don't think the club is going to do it. If I could add just one more thing, and maybe you guys will disagree with me about this, but of any, I think of any. I disagree. <laughs> I I think of any position in 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 football that uh, that that it's difficult to find truly world class match in match out players at center back, um, particularly in 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 this day and age when. Uh, formations and teams are geared uh, toward attacking and and pushing more players forward and and pressing heavily and I mean that just requires more versatility from your center backs too. Um, but that's just that's my opinion, Jim. Jim, that's a fair uh, point so, because I mean look at look how much money Manchester City's spent trying to replace. Yeah. Um, oh my God, um, Vincent Company. And how much yeah. and how much money Manchester United spent on Harry Maguire? <laughs> Sorry, I still <laughs> laugh at that, but but still, that's that's a good point. For me, guys, the thing that that sucks the most is that I think we're we're ahead of schedule, like Bobak was saying. But I don't like the idea of having to pull Fabino back to play center back because you're taking the second best defensive midfielder out of his natural position and putting him in a center back position, um, you know, in, in the, in the league. Um, and then yes, you can have Tiago go back there when he's fit, but that, but the midfield that we had in this match was the best midfield. I think I've seen us play in a three man midfield for a very long time. Jordan Henderson was great. Tiago was great. They, and Fabino was cleaning everything up. And that, those three in the midfield to tweak that. I know Bobak's a big Navi Kaita fan, but I mean, if we had those three, <laughs> you know, most games of the season, which wouldn't happen. I mean, there's going to be a lot of a lot of switching already. But I mean, gosh, I, like I said, the best midfield that we've seen in a while. Um, demanding they they owned the midfield. Um, <clears throat> so I and and heck. Everton was playing with five men at a time in the midfield, and this head cover Lewin up top, and they were still bossing them all over the pitch. It just, 
it goes to show that this that this injury is going to have a lot more run on effect. However, the one thing that we the what do we always hear? <clears throat> Being a young kid at a big club, you know, you might have a lot of promise, but you sadly have to have an a ba- uh, have there has to be an injury for a long period of time for you to get a chance to play and prove yourself. And I think that's what we're going to end up seeing more often than not. Joel Matip's injured. We're, we can't play everybody back to back to back. So I think a lot of these more, let's just call them minnow sides, I guess, um, the the lower. Just bottom, bottom half of the bottom, table. Maybe. Bottom half of the table, maybe even bottom three, four, um, five or whatever. You know, th- those teams, I think you're going to start seeing some of these young kids play. Billy Cimentio, um and Reese Williams, they might get a start next to Joel Matip or or um, or Joe Gomez, depending on who's fit that day. <clears throat> but also, I think a, a one thing that we don't know is how Allison Becker is going to fill into that role and that leadership role, an organization role at the back. Because the one thing that we always see back there is Virgil taking command. Virgil's controlling it. Virgil's telling everybody where they need to be. But Allison Becker is the best keeper in the world for a reason. And he's not going to slough off and and let that go. He wants to keep that tag. And if the and if they all of a sudden are letting in a whole bunch of goals, um, he's gonna he's gonna have something to say about it. And he's gonna probably you're gonna start seeing him be more vocal. I I don't know. I don't watch Brazil, so I don't know how he is in Brazil. Um, but but at least when he's played for Liverpool, he has been pretty just. It's Virgil's Virgil's the leader in the back. And I'm just doing what I'm told, and I just play the best I can. So I don't think I, – I, I, you guys have great points. I don't think we're doing anything in January. I think it's going to be too expensive unless we unless we we come across someone in a group stage that just tears the world apart. I mean, last year at this time, we were just finding out about Erling Holland. Last year at this time, we were just finding out about uh, King, uh, uh, Minamino. <laughs> and, you know – I mean, how many other times have we just found out about somebody in the group stages of the Champions League, and and they end up being great? So I I just think that this this uh that might be the only caveat, only caveat I'd see in that whole thing. <clears throat> I think I think kind of what what uh, we may be missing, and I think probably overall what might end up being the solution is we're not going to replace Virgil with any player. We can't do that what we may do is have some sort of replacement tactic, whether it be an approach to how we play the game, mm-hmm. whether we uh, decide to, to uh, not play as high a line as we have been playing, or, uh, or for instance, uh, giving, giving the, the center backs a little bit more protection in front of them in regards to, to who we play, whether we, 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 we change, change it up and play with two uh, holding midfielders more frequently than we had previously. Or maybe we just go uh, uh, guns ablazing like we did more goals than that, right? <laughs> uh, and just try and outscore everyone. You know, it's 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 something that I'm sure Klopp's been looking at in regards to how he's going to handle um, this time without uh, Virgil. He had to have thought that there is the possibility he's not going to play, um, but um, you know it's kind of hard to think that about someone that that's, that's literally played every single minute in the premier league for yep. two seasons straight. So, yep. um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see regardless. January is still, 
Uh, I know it's only two months away, but um, we've got quite a few games in between there. So 17. it's not something that we can automatically uh, remedy um, with a January transfer. We'll have plenty of games before then. Yeah, 17 league matches and then um, with, and then any any cup matches. And then you're also looking at a Champions League um, six matches there. So, I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> it just adds up. Wait a minute, Joe. You said there's 17 league matches between the tran- between now and the transfer window. Yeah, at least that's Holy what I heard. Crap. That's what I heard. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't look that up. Obviously, that that's wow. <laughs> I wow, think that wow. might be. I think that might be through the end of January. It's got to go. We've already played. We've already played five. There's there's 19. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. In each half of the season. That's so, fair. You yeah. know, it's possible that that's through January. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I think I heard it on. Uh, yeah, it, it might have been James Pierce on the on the um, Red Agenda, or Simon Hughes on the Red Agenda that were say, that was saying that, or maybe it was somebody in uh, on Anfield Rap. But um, yeah, I remember remember hearing seventeen matches. That could include the uh, Champions League matches too. You know, so yeah, it, maybe. All right. So the score is two two. As tense as you like. Then out comes a strike from Captain Hendo. Oh, Everton, we're all laughing at you. Wait, Mane was offsides? So, guys, I've watched this numerous times, numerous angles. I've seen the the lines drawn. Brian talked about seeing fans curve the lines, everything like that. (laughs) No, no, Um, no. They were were straight. (laughs) They weren't curved. They just (laughs) – sorry to interrupt you, but there there was people – I was laughing at it, and I – on, you know, the day after the match, I was – kind of at home <laughs> and Jed and the family were out running around. So I, I did kind of go deep down a couple of <laughs> rabbit holes on Twitter and some <laughs> other places, but yeah, one, one guy had a screenshot where he left the, the, the lines that were up there drawn by VAR for both Mane and the Everton defender. And he drew his own line, a third line that connected the feet of the linesman on the far side of the field and drew that across and, you know, obviously distorted it. He, he was claiming he didn't, but yeah, a third line that made money look like onside by about two yards or well, maybe, <laughs> maybe a yard, but yeah, so, there was some silliness, some definite silliness. So, I mean, we're, we're in the pub. We're all going crazy. Brian initially reacts and is going, Oh wait, they're there. Money might've been offside. And so Buzzkill Brian, money ends up being offside. <laughs> I jinxed it, Joe. I was sitting too close to you. You, you pulled a Joe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should have said on the lower same level. breakfast as your son. Maybe that was a, a jinx by by egg association or something. I don't know. You guys were both lumberjacks, and that's okay. Um, so, so <laughs> you know, the whole thing with VAR is, is that it's supposed to be a clear and obvious error that it overturns. And I think that what we keep getting into with offsides is in drawing the lines is that it's it's not clear and obvious. The call on the field was that he was onside. And and I'm just gonna stick with that. I thought he was onside. No matter where I see their their law lines drawn, Liverpool's still frustrated. They just want an explanation. So I mean heck they can coach their players. They've asked which frame and uh, that that was used and consulted, um, and et cetera, et cetera, for more information. And um, which body part was offside? And which body so part was offside? Yes. They're in a in a 
kind of a um, oh, I don't know what the word is. They're not being very overt and upfront about it, but they're saying, "Hey, was the the line that you drew in the right spot?" So they're saying which body part was offside yeah. is the way I'm interpreting that. But the freeze frame is another question. Yeah. So we it, it goes back to, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because it seemed like half the matches last year we were talking about VAR and we're back at it again. We're talking about VAR again. And the thing is, is that I don't want to scrap it because I think it has its uses and everybody's going to have some bad calls or some stuff that they don't agree with VAR on. That's fine. That is what it is. It's the nature of the beast. However, you don't see them taking this amount of time, this scrutinizing in, in other, in other leagues. And, and even in the Champions League, I think if it's close, if it's close, there has to be a decision one way or other, and it was the call on the field. I think we have to, the linesmen are there for a reason. They, you know, if it's close, I mean, you're, you're looking at, uh, like, the difference of his, Mane's arm is mostly down to his side, and so you're talking about an inch or two between his, where they, if, if they measured at the bottom of his shirt, uh, which I think they're talking about, like everything above the elbow is the playable part of the arm. Um, or if they're talking about his arm. Well, it's a measurable, it's a measurable part of the body. But, but still, I think that that they need to just come in and say, look, if, if we're splitting hairs like this, we go with the play on the field or the call on the field and just go with it. And then everybody, I, I mean, would you guys agree with that? If you go with the call on the field, what if they, you know, that that's, sorry, that's going to go the other way where they're, the call on the field is going to be wrong. And then you start drawing lines and the call on the field is incorrect. Well, how close is close enough to stick the goal to the call on the field is, is where I guess what it boils down to. It's just, it's I, I have, I have a possible idea. I want to float to the group, but it's just against the nature but, of the game. I mean, we're, we're, it's, just, it's not offsides is offside. It's offsides inch, is offside. But if you're talking about if we're, where we're measuring from on the arm, I mean, it's, I don't know. Well, That's they're the, not, they didn't measure his arm first of all, but they're, they they're, did. it's from his elbow, Brian. Every time I've they did not met, they did not measure from his elbow. There's a photograph that shows the dotted line going up above his shoulder. So it goes through, you know, above his bicep, up towards the armpit, top of the shoulder kind of thing. The dotted line, people are looking at the dotted line where it touches the part of his arm and bicep that's closest to the ground. There's a dotted dash that goes above that. But that that's not, I, I don't I don't want to, you know, go around and around about that. But here, here's what I think might work. I don't know if they would ever do it, but... And, and I'll preface this by saying clearly there's a problem with human air here. We're using lines that are the thickness of the blade of, of a blade of grass, like microns wide. And they think it's great and technologically savvy and, and look how precise we can get. It's leading to human air. The freeze frame, the actual the, the camera speed here is is very good. So the freeze frame can be off by a couple of frames. That's a person clicking a mouse. There's human air there air there. You're clicking a mouse and putting it onto a body part. There could be human error there i say we keep drawing lines but we don't use lines that are the thickness of a blade of grass anymore we use lines that are much much thicker maybe the equivalent of a a sideline or the equivalent of a gold line or the equivalent of the midfield stripe or whatever you want to call it you know it's certainly much 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 thicker than the lines they're drawing now 
and to eliminate human error in, in any way on an offside call, if the line drawn for the defender's body part that is used, you know, it has to be a body part you can legally play the ball or score a goal with, and the same thing for the line drawn on the attacker, if those two lines touch at all, overlap in any way or touching at all or completely overlap or anywhere in, be- in between the players onside. And we're not measuring things down to the millimeters anymore. We're, we're admitting that the system is good, but has some flaws and some human error can be there. And if lines are touching the players onside, I don't want to say if the lines are touching, they'll call them the field stands because I think the Mane line would be touching the, the line on the Everton defenders, right foot, the guy at the top of the, screen the lines would be touching so i don't want it to stick with the what the referee or what the linesman called because the linesman could have called him um off and then if the lines touch you know he's you stick with that well no the referee didn't call anything he scored if the lines touch he he counts as onside but you have to use thicker lines if you're going to do that i don't know what do you guys think uh brian or bobeck uh, I mean, I <laughs> here here's here's the thing. I've I've my my issue with uh, and and I agree offside. You're either offside or you're not. There's I mean that's it's that's an that's a clear call. That's there's there's no gray area or shouldn't be any gray area with offside. Uh, it's not a subjectivity called like a like a like a foul. Or, uh, or a yellow even, red. Even even what a even what a handball has been um, that they're trying to eliminate. Um, Brian Brian's got a great idea, but I'll tell you what, he's not alone in that idea. <laughs> I actually read following that um, following that whole uh, occurrence, I heard that the Premier League actually was uh, in favor of making thicker lines for those VAR offside calls, but. Uh, FIFA and IFAB were completely against it, and this season they've kind of uh, the Premier League is 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 kind of taken aback a little bit from what they were doing last year, and they're trying to follow the IFAB rules kind of to the to the T and keep things uniform on um, that instance. So with more FIFA and uh, you know head of referee uh, uh, Colina's uh, fault as to why uh, we're not seeing thicker lines in uh, VAR offside assessments in the Premier League this year. So uh, we can't can't completely blame Mike Riley for everything. But um, in 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 regards to to my main irritation with that particular or these particular types of calls is that before the invention of VAR and in games across every single uh, level of play aside from top level, top five leagues in the world that have the money to have this type of technology involved. The spirit of the law and not the letter of the law is that the benefit of the doubt is supposed to be given to the attacker. And we're seeing so many instances to where it's so incredibly close. You have that blade of grass type precision of the call if it has to come down to that then the spirit of the law should have taken into account if if the referee did not flag him for offside it should be um it should be given as onside so kind of what you're saying there in regards to the the call on the field joe but what the main issue there is the instruction that's given then to the assistant referees is to keep their flag down and let 
VAR make the call um, in those instances. So it's it, it's kind of a, a you know a devil's advocate there. Um, you know, if 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 the referee's raising his flag, then um, you have the uh, the possibility of the the play being flagged dead before uh, you know uh, a goal is scored. Um, so if you're thinking of um, American sports in this instance, you're thinking of like NFL football where the referees are instructed to in like say turnover situations or, or things like that to, to, to let, you know, call the turnover so that the, the they can view it on the video or, uh, to call a touchdown so that, cause every scoring plays reviewed. So, uh, it's kind of one of those, uh, things that you have to fix multiple facets of it if it's going to be uh clear and obvious error stick with whatever the call on the field is then you've got to change the instruction to the referees as to how they call the game um so it's it's a very very complicated issue uh, where you know at, as long as the same rules apply to everyone then it's going to uh it's still a fair game it's just unfortunate all right. Well, I'm considering that we won the match and got screwed. Uh, we typically don't do man of the match uh, for losses or draws, but we're going to do man of the match because I think we won. All right. <laughs> Jim, who was your man of the match? If you don't mind, I'd like to return to VAR for okay, just a moment. I was thinking we might, have be, we might be beating a dead horse at some point. So no, I, I just want to add one more thing, and, and this is not my brainchild. I've seen it discussed by other people. Um, and it came up on Twitter today when somebody that I was following, I can't remember who it was, tweeted um, a VAR decision by referees in Australia's A-League. And the video shows the ref, so the, the ref's on the field, uh, the, the, uh, the, the head referee and uh, the referee in the VAR booth are both mic'd. And during the broadcast, you can hear their discussion about reviewing the play and hear them talking through their decision-making. And until, I guess, we can get to the point where technology is so good that you take human input out of the offside review, I think it would be tremendously helpful to have the refs mic'd up so you can hear them. For example, you can hear the VAR referee saying, okay, I am drawing this line and measuring where Mane is based on X part of his body in real time. Um, I, I really think that would be, that would be tremendously helpful. In other words, it's transparency. So that's, that is, is my input on that. As far as man of the match is concerned, um, I thought Andy Robertson was great in the first half. Um, Maybe faded a little bit in the second half, but I thought all around his performance was was fantastic. So I would probably give him a possible shout. And and Tiago, I mean, you know, we're talking about how dynamic our our midfield was um, in in on Saturday, and I, I think that uh, that that we owe a lot uh, to Tiago for that. I mean, he is just so sharp um, as as a as a box to box guy. I mean. Um, I, I, I hate to compare somebody to Javi Alonso. I mean, they're certainly not the same player in every facet of their game, but, um, just his vision, his ball control, his passing ability is so, 
so slick. So th- those were two players who immediately came to mind for me. I know that there are some other legitimate calls on, on man of the match. So that's, but those two came to mind for me. Uh, Bobak, how about you, man of the match? Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough one for me. Uh, I, I certainly agree with, uh, with the Tiago shout. I thought he was fantastic. You know, his first start for the team uh, in a derby, a huge match, uh, did not look out of place at all. Um, you know, he adds that uh, whole new dimension in regards to he sees passes that no one else in our team has seen. You know, he uh, he had the uh, essentially the, the ball splitting pass for the should have been winner. Um, and uh, there was there's an instance that I know Brian caught as well. Uh, I think it was off the corner uh, where the ball was headed out. And and we've seen plenty of uh, videos of him in training with Spain and, and with Liverpool where he, he practices and hits those 40-yard uh, passes on the, on the full volley uh, straight out of the air. Well, he had, a, he had an opportunity that was probably about 25, 30 yards out where he just hit the ball off a full volley uh, without taking a touch that looked destined for the far corner aside from, uh, I think one of the Everton players uh, got in the way yeah. and chested it down. Um, but yeah, that was a good been, block. Yeah. That would have been, yeah. that would have been goal of the season hands down if that would have went in. <laughs> uh, so those are just kind of two, two instances that you don't see a whole lot, that particular skill that you don't see a whole lot of um, from any of our Liverpool players in the last couple of years. So I think he certainly stood out, but you got to give a good shout for Mane too. I thought he was fantastic yeah. as well. Um, yeah. You know, scored the, scored the, the opener, was causing plenty of issues, uh, set up the should have been winner. Uh, so, uh, you know, if I had to pick between the two solely because we've seen quite a bit of Mane every single game, I'm going to go ahead and, and give this one to Tiago. Brian? Well, I was going to give it to James Rodriguez or Richarlson because they complained a lot. <laughs> Rolled around a lot. Rolled around a lot. Feigned Asked injury. for cards on Liverpool players a lot. You know, Rosarlson with that red card late, it was just yeah. awful. I mean, that's just. Yeah. Uh, but it, 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 to, in all seriousness, this was a tough one to pick. Maybe the toughest man of the match to pick, I think, in a long time. Um, I agree. Robertson was fantastic. Thiago was brilliant. I mean, looking up the stats, we we had fifty eight percent possession. They had forty one, and you know, twice as many shots as them. You know, on target was a little bit closer, but twice as many shots we had. Almost two. Well, he had about 170 more passes than them, and I'm not a big stats guy when it comes to those type of things. But Thiago's so good; he comes into the midfield in his first ever Merseyside derby starts. At we dominate side. possession, and he makes Henderson, who was unbelievable last year in that spot, and puts him on the right side of midfield basically, and just controls the middle of the field um, possession-wise. You know, Fabinho did a lot of good things in the middle. Not that Henderson didn't, but. Tiago's fantastic. Agreed on the Rabo. Agreed on the Mane. I think Matip was pretty good. Uh, actually, Matip was really good. He didn't play their their um, the corner well for their their goal, but you know we kind of talked about that earlier. Um, it, it's hard not to give this to Tiago. I just think he was that good, and um, in the under the circumstances and where he played and how he played, just. This guy, Joe or, or Jim, there's nothing wrong with thinking about Zabi Alonso. This was close to a Zabi Alonso performance as I've seen by a Liverpool player in midfield since Zabi Alonso was here. 
I'm going a complete 180 for you guys. I mean, yes, uh, Tiago, Tiago, Tiago. So I just want to be different. Um, Tiago was phenomenal in this match. Mane agreed. Mane was lights out. Jordan Henderson, man. I mean, Virgil goes down early, and he does a captain's performance the rest of the match. Has the game winner. Um, But out of pure determination, I'm I'm still calling it the game winner. So I'm going to give it to Jordan Henderson. A very, very close honorable mention uh, to Tiago. So it just defaults to the captain. All right, looking ahead, guys. Good pick. Good the, pick. The Reds are in Amsterdam as we speak. They face Ajax on Wednesday. How are you feeling about this one, Brian? Well, it, it's been such a crazy last couple of days. Um, I, I haven't really thought about it very much. I haven't looked up what Ajax is doing in the Eredivisie this year. Um, obviously, they've had a, a couple of good runs in the Champions League, and we could have got worse teams out of that pot, but um, yeah, I'm disappointed for all the Liverpool supporters. All the Scousers are not in Amsterdam right now, going absolutely berserk because uh, they, you know, they say that's a great away day if you get oh, to go man. do it. Yeah, you get to enjoy some um, edibles, so, drink some Amstel. Sorry, you get to enjoy some edibles, um, drink some Amstel. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, you know, maybe they'll just day. do that on Merseyside. And just maybe some legal prostitution. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really, I, I, the, I haven't looked up much about the match. And I, I usually do some of that. But, you know, I, I guess the the big question is, um, you know, who's going to play in back and what's the midfield look like? So I, I think we might see Keita start. You know, Ajax is a bit of a kind of a free-flowing Attacking team, a little bit like us, which is which will be good to see. Um, so I, I'd like to see Niabi get a start. I think we'll have plenty of space and and do some good things. Apparently he's back and he's negative and COVID and training and this and that. So you know it's good to, be to have the Champions League going again. I I I, I want to ask when you get around to Bobak, he talks about how to watch this game because I'm completely and thoroughly confused right now about what the hell's going on and how to watch this game. I'll be at work and probably just listen to the the um, LF. Audio. If you don't listen know, Steve. Um, you can listen to the audio. Yeah, Steve at Liverpool um, makes their audio of their broadcast free if you go to the Liverpool website. So the video isn't free, but the audio is. So it's, it's kind of an old throwback for me. Jim will appreciate this, and Bobak and Joe will just roll their eyes at the old guys. But uh, I listen, I listen you know, to listening to the audio of a game is, is kind of fun and, and kind of a back-in-the-day kind of thing that used to happen. So um yeah, that's really all I have on the match. Sorry to disappoint you, Joe, but I haven't really looked a whole lot into it. Brian, my first, my first, some of my first experiences were listening to uh, Notre Dame football games with my dad. So, uh, yeah, I, I listened to quite a there few football and basketball games over the radio. And actually, um, the first season I bought the LFC Go, I forget what it used to be called. Um, that the only reason I got it was so I could listen to matches. I remember being in college in my dorm room listening to matches. So. I love it. <laughs> I used to get in trouble when I was a kid in St. Louis. I mean, I, well, first of all, you know, Jim will remember boomboxes first come out, right? Everybody wants yep. a boombox for their room. I asked for a small one, and my mom and dad were like, "You want that smaller one?" Like, "Yep, great. <laughs> about that for you, no problem." I had like the smallest one in the neighborhood, and it was probably. I don't know. It wasn't that much bigger than a than like a, a shoebox, like basketball shoes, like high tops, right? So not a huge thing compared to the boomboxes of the day. I wanted that because I could have it like 
in bed. I would lay in bed and listen to St. Louis Steamers indoor games on the radio or blues hockey games or whatever. And I would play it and, you know, fall asleep to it. It would play all night. I'd go through batteries in about you know, four, four or five days. And my parents would be like, what the hell are you doing? And a couple of times I'd get in trouble listening to a, you know, the steamers or the blues or something, playing a game on the West coast. I'd be awake till one thirty or two in the morning. I'd get caught listening to the radio, but <laughs> yeah, that's, it, it'll be fun. I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. Um, while working, so. Yep, ditto. Um, Bobak, Brian pretty much set you up, man. Why don't you go ahead and tell us how, how we can watch the match and uh, give us any of your thoughts. Well, uh, well, assuming uh, everyone listening to this podcast resides in the United States of America. Yeah, fair point. Um, <laughs> no, there's been downloads on every continent but Antarctica, right, Joe? Okay. Yeah, but well, it's been I can't a while. Really, I can't really help people outside of that. But what I will say is, uh, CBS has now acquired the Champions League viewing rights in the United States. Uh, yippee! Uh, no, not so much. Uh, there are not any televised games at all, uh, and I'm not sure there will be until maybe the final. Um, every match is uh, can be streamed on CBS All Access which is a uh, subscription, monthly subscription service. Uh, you can pay six ninety nine dollars uh, per month for limited commercials or nine ninety nine for the commercial free. Um, or there is a seven-day free trial that they're uh, implementing. And if you want to just hop, skip, and jump around all the different spam email accounts that you have and keep doing free trials, <laughs> you're more than welcome to do that. That's probably what I might do. But... Uh, that or, or Fubu TV, uh, Fubo TV uh, and uh, Univision um, will both have rights to the uh, the match tomorrow as well. Um, so so from your uh, your viewing guru, that's that's how you can watch it. <laughs> In regards to what I think might happen, I think uh, I think probably Ajax might be the most predictable opponent aside from potentially Barcelona that you'll that you'll uh, ever have in world football. You know, they have a particular style that they play. They play the 4-3-3 total football. They invented it. Um, so you know how they're going to set up. Um, so it's it's all, you know, tactically, it, it's it's kind of easy going into that game um, in regards to um, uh, how they're going to set up. They're not, a, they're not a side that's going to uh, park the bus by any means. So they will play football. Um, it's in their blood. Um, it's how they play in regards to how they're doing the Eredivisie this year. They're always pretty dominant, but I believe right now when I looked, they are uh, 12 points out of 15. Uh, I'm not quite sure who they lost to, but they're behind PSV Eindhoven in the in the Eredivisie table right now. Um, they've got a lot of uh, old heads that are that are pretty uh, familiar in regards to who they they have in their side now. Um, the, the Daily Blend plays center back for them. Old Manchester United player, uh, Davy Clausen, former uh, Everton uh, midfielder, uh, is a new signing for them. They have Dusan Tadic, who is going to be their main uh, attacking threat. Former Southampton player, so um, we should be pretty familiar with a lot of their players. Um, they do have a very good goalkeeper in Onana, um, so uh, he might have a quite quite the busy day, um, and we'll need it. Um, it is the type of side that I think, uh, you know, we won't be too worried about our, our defensive um, defensive options because I think it's going to be a, 
uh, a pretty attacking game, very similar to Leeds. Hopefully not the same type of uh, scoreline, but um, it'll be an open game like that. And I, I do think it's something that we can take advantage of um, with the attacking talent that we have and with the midfield players that we have at our disposal right, right now. Um, obviously, from a center back, standpoint we we really only have two options at this point <laughs> joe gomez and fabinho really the only two fit uh center backs we have uh on the senior level um i know probably reese williams traveled i think he's probably next in line i think Cometio maybe had a little a, a few injury issues um and that's kind of what's seen him kind of take a little bit of a backseat to him um from the midfield, I think, you know, once again, I think our, our options are pretty limited, but they're also very good. Um, you know, we've got uh, Genie Wijnaldum, uh, who will be reveling in the, uh, the opportunity to play in the Amsterdam Arena um, in a different jersey other than the, the, the Dutch jersey. And uh, uh, our captain, Jordan Henderson, hopefully fit and available. I'm sure he is. Um, and then my, my boy, my boy, Nabby, is, is ready to go. Uh, you know, if, if he's not, and it's, it's, it's someone that maybe, uh, Klopp sees, uh, a place for him in the, in the side on Saturday and wants to rest him. Bear in mind in the champions league, we have five substitutions. So Ooh, uh, that's, that. that's something that we can, um, we can hopefully take advantage of. You've got Curtis Jones. If you want to go a little bit more attacking, you've got, uh, James Milner. If you want to go a little bit more, uh, old, um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, and then, you know, maybe potentially the only, uh, the only change you may see in the front three is maybe you see Jota come in or, or Minamino maybe start for one of the front three players, but I, I don't really see it. I think Klopp will want to get off to a flying start in the group stage. Um, so that's, that's, that's my, uh, Ajax preview right there. Hopefully you got everything you needed on that one. Jim, anything to add? Jimmy uh, stole your thunder. You were going to say uh, Milner for center back. I mean, there, there's no way I could come even even close to that comprehensive <laughs> preview. Uh, my my only thought was going to be something that Bobak already brought up, which is that maybe there's a chance that either Jota or uh, Minamino start. But uh, I agree with him. I I, I don't think that they, either one of them will, um, because as as Bobak pointed out, I think Klopp will want to want to want to come in with both with, with, uh, both barrels blazing. So, um, but otherwise I don't have anything else to add. You know, my, my thing is don't sleep on them, but this isn't the same team that was, that was in a semifinal, um, like two years in a row. I mean, Zayich is gone. I probably said it wrong, right? Bill back. <laughs> say his name wrong. Uh, Serginho danced, uh, American Serginho danced, uh, started for Barcelona today. Um, you know, I'm already forgetting the guy that I was really high on, <laughs> the defender. You know, now Juventus. I mean, all these guys, um, and, and Frankie de Jong um, at Barcelona. I mean, all these guys that made them at that were at that level. And I don't know if they were a surprise. I can't remember really. But those guys are now applying their trade at other clubs. Now, let's not sleep on Dusan uh, on Tadic, um, Daily Blend. You know, at home. You know, who knows? Because I, I, I kind of thought you might have gotten a little bit of a, a f- quickly moved out at Manchester United. Um, I thought he was better than uh, than what I think a lot of the fans gave him credit for. But, of course, I don't watch a lot of Manchester United. But, anyway, don't sleep on him. But I think Liverpool's um, chances, even without 
Virgil van Dyke um, and playing and and Tiago uh, are looking pretty good in this match. Um, nothing else line up differently that I, that I could come up with. And then on Saturday, um, the Sheffield United come to Anfield Road. Um, depending on kickoff time, because I completely forgot to look it up before the match, I Benjamin and I might be at Union Jack Pub with you guys. Um, so, how are you guys feeling about the Sheffield United? They've kind of they they kind of struggled since they came back from the break, um, and and they're not they're not firing on all cylinders so far this season. Um, what what do you think, Brian? Do you want want to see that this might be a a chance to give some of these younger kids, or maybe it's a it's a Minamino start or something like that? What are you kind of thinking? Yeah, that that's possible. Minamino start, Kate's a start, as Bobak mentioned. It it is um, here in uh, Eastern Time Zone. It's a three o'clock start on Saturday, Ooh. Um, so it's like the last game of of the Saturday round, so to speak. So the evening game over in the UK. Sheffield United, I mean, they were the surprise last year. We were talking about them being in the Champions League places until they completely fell apart after the restart happened. Um, they're in 19th right now. No wins, a, a draw and four losses, a goal difference of negative five at one point. So down there with Fulham and Burnley, and you know, they only have half the points that West Bromwich Albion have. So, um, yeah, they're struggling after five games, and, you know, they just – aren't scoring. So um, we, we should beat them. I think it's a perfect example of no matter what happens on Wednesday against Ajax, you know, Klopp will have the guys ready to kind of avenge a 2-2 win, so to speak, against Everton. And um, they'll, we'll come out flying and, you know, Mane on fire and Salah scoring and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just hope that um, – well, Matip won't play Wednesday, I don't think, but just no injury for Fabinho and Gomez. I want those two guys to probably play center back again. So uh, maybe Milner. Milner is for center back. Maybe they make a T-shirt or something like that. But, yeah, we, we'll, we'll win on Saturday. Um, we should. Um, Jim, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, I, I agree. I was just uh, – before we, we got on, uh, on, on Skype tonight, I um, – was looking up some of the stats and and uh, as Brian pointed out, Sheffield struggled mightily to score goals. They scored two in in the first five matches. So um, I, even with Virgil out, I'm not sure that uh, that that the boys have much to worry about. And uh, I I I expect a win uh, as well. You know my my thing is that you know. One of the big parts last year um, was that to help Sheffield so much was the play of Dean Henderson, um, and he was on loan from Manchester U- from yeah from Manchester United, and it looks like he's he oh no he's yeah I think he's back at Manchester United he's at United sitting on the bench yeah they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't get him back at Sheffield. Um, sorry, I was just doing a quick Google for that. Uh, they do have Rian Brewster, and I think we're just waiting for him to kick off, um, and then maybe they'll start getting some goals in there. But he's got to get some support. Um, that midfield isn't isn't a lot of uh, big names or anything like that. Um, see some like Jack Jack Rodwell, uh, Sander Berg. Um, some of those names sound familiar at least, uh, but 
but still, you know, um, I, I I think it's I think it's gonna be time that we're gonna start seeing. It might be a time to give some break. Um, I, I, I I'll be admit uh, I've been a bad host and I forgot to look at upcoming fixtures for like I don't know if we go right next. Then we have like probably one more match. No, sorry, we have Champions League again next week, and then on the weekend, and then is it uh, international break then? Saturday the thirty first, we play West Ham on Halloween. Okay, and is it international yeah. break? And then we uh, play in the league the following Saturday on the 7th okay, against well, Manchester I, I City. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, and then, then the, you have an international break until yes, the 21st right. of November. So Sheffield this coming Saturday, West Ham the Saturday after that, Atlanta. Manchester City the Saturday after that, and then the international break that you can't wait for, Joe. I know you're excited. Uh, Atlanta Brisket. in Brisket Gino. time. <laughs> Actually, that's on the uh, it's on the 3rd. Or not third on the um, after the election, <laughs> so yeah, the, the seventh. Oh, Manchester City Day. Oh Lord, um, yeah. So yep, yeah, in between there. So yeah, West Ham, Atlanta, and then Manchester City. So okay, yeah, on election day. So don't remember. So remember to get out and vote if you haven't voted early or aren't planning to this weekend. Um, yeah, get out and vote. All right, guys. Um, I, I mailed in all twelve of my ballots. Brian <laughs> <laughs> is not Chicago. Can't do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, if Bobak can have thirty-seven different email accounts to watch Champions League CBS all all Champions League long, then tell me why not. Uh, okay. All right, let's start wrapping it up. Uh, plugs, not plugs. Bobak's going to plug Union Jack Pub. I'll let you get ahead on that. And if you have any non plugs, Bobak. Yeah, Union Jack's great. You guys should go there. Um, well, either location, right? <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know what? I'm, I'm going to go a little. Uh, I, I am obviously going to plug Union Jack Pub because I think they're great. But uh, this past week, it is a. It is. It's not really a, a, an American tradition, but with the uh, the whole pandemic and the, the the toilet paper shortage, I think it got uh, it got everyone looking at their uh, uh, looking within and, and and potentially at other countries and their cultures and how they do things. And 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 I was one of those one of those people. And and this week I I, I kind of bit the bullet and I purchased a bidet for my uh, for my uh, home bathroom here and. And I'm gonna plug uh, the Tushy brand bidets. Uh, so for uh, all right, go back. Any, any anyone that, that maybe feels like they 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 a little bit dirty after they're doing their business on the toilet, um, this will certainly um, certainly make you feel a little bit more fresh. It's a it's a little bit of a shock to the system the first time you do it, um, but after that, there's no going back. So my plug is for Tushy brand bidets. Um, hopefully you can get yourself a podcast sponsor, uh, Joe, um, (laughs) my my, my non-plug, uh, I think we talked enough about, uh, referees and VAR, so I'm going to pass on doing that, but, uh, my non-plug, believe it or not, uh, is going to be, and I, I hate to be the one that, that, that likes that, that bitches about, uh, uh, viewership and tv viewership and streaming and all that stuff here in the united states but uh this cbs all access uh coverage for for the 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 biggest club competition in the world is insane that there is not a televised game 
uh, everything's streamed. Um, and, uh, you know, once again, it's those, one of those, be careful what you wish for situations when you had it. Uh, I wasn't particularly a big fan of, uh, Fox's coverage, but I think that had more to do with, uh, the, uh, the team itself that was putting it on. Yeah. Um, I thought the, the bleacher report were sticking it to a lot of business owners in regards to their hiked up prices, but I'll tell you what they delivered a lot of times in regards to the, um, the actual streaming availability of things. You had games that were televised on multiple channels. Um, but another thing that we, we, we kind of, uh, bitched heavily about because, you know, their, their studio performance was not the best, that it was pretty mediocre and their talent that they had. We wanted someone else. Well, guess what? CBS stepped up to the plate and they're even worse. So, uh, don't you dare talk badly about bees, man. <laughs> my non, my non plug, my non plug is going to be for the uh, the current uh, availability of Champions League games um, in the United States. But this will be the, the last time I complain about it because I know it can potentially get worse. Tushy Bram Bidets, get your ass clean. All right, so Jim <laughs> plugs non plugs. <laughs> Jim, oh, I'm sorry, I you you just cut out there for a moment. Oh, sorry. Um, my bad. Um, so uh, my plug and non-plug are kind of be going to be wrapped, intertwined with one another. My plug is for the web show that Rebecca Lowe does um, on YouTube for NBC Sports. Uh, it's a weekly show. Um, it's called The Lowdown. And um, it, it gives her the opportunity to express her opinions uh, about things. Because, you know, when she's, when she's hosting the uh, in-studio show on the network, she is basically the, I don't know how you want to put it, the, the cruise director, so to speak. I mean, she's there to facilitate the conversation of the pundits there. Um, but on The Lowdown, she actually gives her opinions and uh, she has a good segment this week on the whole um, Sergio Aguero uh, touching the. Um, and I, I apologize, I can't remember the name of the female referee that he that he uh, decided to uh, latch on to after she made a call that he disagreed with. But um, I would I would I would encourage everybody to go onto YouTube and go to NBC Sports. Um, channel and check out the load list this week's lowdown because it's it's quite good and her perspective of course is is particularly valuable i mean i, I think she's great uh on air anyway and uh and uh, she she really is a as a good asset for for nbc as a as a studio host um and then of course the non-plug is uh sergio aguero you know and i i would imagine and i and i i don't i'm, I'm not meaning to mansplain this but um had that been a, a a male referee, I I doubt that he 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 touches touches the referee. Um, and it's just uh, a a a symptom of the way our society is, where um, sometimes men and and I, I think you could fairly call this a work environment. Feel free to to touch uh, a a woman who um, for 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 no reason other than I think they he can touch her regardless of whether he intends to do something uh, nefarious or not. So um, non-plug to Sergio Aguero. And, uh, and I think that's all I have. 
All right, Brian, plugs on plugs, bud. Well, I second the, the Rebecca Lowe segment. I watched it this afternoon, and it is really well done. So if you get a chance to to check out anything she ever does, um, they just do a nice job, especially Rebecca Lowe. So Jim summed it up nicely. So I can't take that because um, I was going to plug that. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll mention Jeannie Wijnaldum uh, with some really nice comments. Uh, nice isn't the right word. Um some great comments in support of Virgil and support of his teammates um, with the injury and how the team is reacting, um, you know, saying not just all the right things, but saying things that I generally wanted to hear. And, uh, you know, he's passionate about it. He, he, you know, believes in everything Liverpool and has had a really nice career with us. And there was some talk of him not staying. And it was great to see, a player saying the things about this injury and about Pickford, about the, however it's in play, so physical and this and that. It was great to see a player say that uh, to the media today. And it was just particularly great to see Gene Wijnaldum say that as well. So plug to him. Um, my non-plug will be um, now being on this podcast that Bilback has done his plug. I'm sure we're going to all start getting um, just constant advertising for uh, you know, personal injury lawyers have to go to the bathroom at Bobacks and slip and fall down. <laughs> so my non-plug is to just kind of seedy, shady, personal injury lawyers trying to take advantage of people that just went to the bathroom and fell down at Bobacks' house. I don't think that's right. Non-plug to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Plug to the help I've fallen and I can't get up. Uh Microphone. Cord. Yes, I've gone oh, yeah. to the bathroom and I can't get up. Yeah, yes. there we go. All right. Um, Boback, do you give, like, Instructional kind of tours or, <laughs> or those, uh, any, those, it, those, video, those videos wouldn't necessarily be safe for work, Brian. So, uh. <laughs> well, they have one in the in the ladies' room at Union Jack. Joe has been in there before, putting what? business cards on the wall. Okay, whatever. All right. Um. So my my plug is two weeks to the election. My non plugs is my non plug is. Two more weeks till the election. All right. So um, if you want to get a hold of us, we're going to have our information in the podcast notes um, on how you can reach us. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for being you. Um, This is Joe Dilling signing off for this episode of the New Reds podcast. You'll never walk alone.